This is the Hacker Valley Studio Podcast, exploring the human element behind cybersecurity programs and technology. Welcome back, everybody. Another conversation stemming from RSA. We had Dr. Chase Cunningham. He is the author of Cyber Warfare, Truth, Tactics, and Strategies. Great conversation. He's brilliant in the realm of zero trust and cyber warfare altogether. Be sure to check out this episode. If you love this episode, be sure to check out our website at hackervalley.studio. And as always, if you want to support us, please check out our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash Hacker Valley Studio. Let's get right to the episode. What's going on, everybody? You are in the Hacker Valley Studio with your hosts, Ron and Chris. Welcome back to the show. Glad to be back again here at RSA with Chase Cunningham, Principal Analyst at Forrester Research. That's Extremely right. happy to have you on the show. Welcome. Thanks for inviting me. I'm glad I, uh, glad I come over and crash. Yeah, yeah, no, this is awesome. So we actually just met virtually maybe a couple weeks ago. That's it just right. so happens that, you know, we were going to be here at RSA and we wanted to talk about a few things. You just had a book that came out and I we think. also know that you're passionate about Zero Trust, but I would love to start with the, the book first. What, what pushed you into wanting to write your own book? Uh, you know, I was, uh, I'm, ex- I'm retired military, and I, I spend so much time on the analyst side, like looking at the market broadly, and I, I really felt that there was way too much shenanigans going on. So the, the, the title, you know, Cyber Warfare, Truth, Tactics, and Strategies, yeah. the whole first thing is truth. And I spent a lot of time trying to really ferret into what's the, the truth of why things are as bad as they are. Mm-hmm. And interestingly enough, it's, it's not some crazy HAL-powered AI exploitation. Like, it's the same stuff that was a problem 50 years ago. Right. That's intense. So, yeah, I mean, that's a good place to start. Tell us a little bit about your background and, mm-hmm. and sort of how you got to where you are today. Yeah, so I'm retired Navy. I did my time doing stuff for Fort Meade and NSA and a bunch of, you know, those other places where the windows are all blacked out and <laughs> right. people drink too much coffee and whatnot. I retired in 2011, 2012-ish time frame and then went and did some consulting for a little bit on the, the government side and realized I was tired of doing government stuff. And then worked my way over and just, I had a really good friend, John Kindervog, who was a forester yeah. analyst. And he said he was leaving and he kind of wink winked and said, hey, there might be a you know, job opening, wink wink. And I said, sure, I'll try the analyst thing, you know. And I've been there for about three years. Yeah. Yeah, it's been, a, it's, it's, a good, it's a good spot and, you know, we get to do like market research, which is kind of cool. You look at everything broadly, which is interesting. We see, we see a lot. Yeah, we're actually going to have him on the show uh, right after you, I think. Oh, John? Yeah. Oh, he's great. Yeah. John's John's super. I mean, he's uh, he's probably in Spain or something. Or uh, is he here? He's here. Is he? Okay. Yes. Yeah, John. He RSVP'd. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I never know where that guy is. I think it'd probably be cheaper if they just bought him his own plane because mm-hmm. he doesn't sit on the ground very long. But yeah, John's great. Yeah, fantastic. So, what kind of analysis uh, are you doing? I know you said it's like broad research, but uh, what does that look like? Yeah, so for for us, we we look at uh, the the company sort of strategy, the alignment. We look at the the market around it. You know, how are they enabling or disabling? Does their technology map into it? We go into what is best of breed, what is platform, and we try and put that in front of our end user clients and let them know this is this is what will do what they say it's going to do. This is how you budget for it, and this is whether or not something is actually going to uh, help you move towards that end state. And, I mean, we spend – it's cyclic. So we just spend all year doing it, and then we move on and start again year two, and it just continues to evolve. And we move at the, the, the speed of the market. Yeah. 
So one thing that I wanted to ask you about, uh, sort of going back to your background and, and the, the impetus for the book, what was that motivation to, to write something down? Uh, you know, I, I really just thought that there was a lot of stuff where people were looking at individual cases, you know, books about malware, books about exploitation. There's a lot of, like, how-to, but I, I genuinely didn't find that someone had gone and kind of crawled through the history of real exploitation and figuring out, is that is that viable when you're trying to combat it if you take any other position than a a warfare sort of fighting position. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we're in a space where we live on a digital battlefield. We're constantly exchanging rounds with the enemy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So how, how could you possibly f get out of that if you're not dealing with the reality of it? And there wasn't that thing that looked at the entire sort of history to, to, to today yeah. and what's new and what's coming. Like I did a bunch of research around using deep fake videos and those to sort of manipulate the narrative and shorting stock and... Because I think that that's what's coming. I think mm -hmm. we've we've crested from, you know, send an email, hack grandma, you know, use your VPN creds, <laughs> take the network over. Like, that's a given. Yeah. Now we're looking at uh, if I can control the narrative, the truth, I can literally manipulate people's way of living. Right. And that's way more dangerous to me than, uh, you know, an, an exploited VPN server. Right. Yeah, so, you know, being from, like, intelligence, uh, you, I'm sure you'll appreciate this. In information cutoff for your book. Was there a point in time where you're like, okay, this is a good place to end it, and you already have plans for volume two? Yeah, so uh, basically I started this thing. The publisher came to me the day after Thanksgiving and said, hey, would you write a book? And I was like, sure. I don't know <laughs> what about, but I'll write a book. And, and then the idea was, well, get it done before RSA. So I had that limited time frame to do it and publish. Ooh, wow. Yeah, I spent a lot of late nights. I'm probably still running on some of the caffeine I had back then. <laughs> and and it, was, it was just push, push, push. And we stopped sort of bringing stuff in right around January 1st. Yeah. Um, because by that time, I was through the history and I was into the current state. Yeah. But, I mean, it's, that's pretty dang close to accurate. Wow. You know? Yeah, so we, we hustled on it. And they, it's been a good publisher, so they've been pushing heavy. To, uh, the, the guy that was running the editing was absolutely just Gestapo about, <laughs> you have 10 days to do the chop, 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 chop. Yeah. You know? That's a, that's definitely a grind. That's that's yeah. pretty pretty interesting that you got it done. So kudos to you. That's yeah. impressive. Thanks. Yeah. What what do you what what was the kind of original? How far back does the book go? Like where are the dates to? So to now? I, I I think there's a lot of people that talk about like encryption showing up in like ancient Egypt, right? Which okay, sure. But I, I really looked at it from the the perspective of warfare, where was one of the first. Um, real uses of deception and sort of manipulating electronics to do something. Mm -hmm. And there was a thing in the in World War II called the Battle of the Beams. Most people aren't aware of this, where the uh, the Brits intercepted German frequencies to control bombers. And once they figured that out, they actually started changing frequencies on on the on the Germans. Mm -hmm. And they were even landing German planes in England and then you know not returning them to home base. So that was like one of the earliest things I could find where they. They knew the space, they knew the communication line, and they yeah. knew if they manipulated it with some sort of exploitation, they could achieve an objective. Wow. And that was 1940, like, one. Uh, so, you know, a 40, 41, 42 time frame. So very, I mean, that, we've been doing this for a long time. Right. Going through the research, do you have a, a newfound appreciation or did you come away with some interesting nuggets that applies today for cybersecurity? That's why I still, I still advocate really heavily on the zero trust side of things yeah. because what, what I, I think is the clear line in the sand is that to succeed in a space where you're engaged in, in combat or warfare, 
you have to have a strategy, and then you align things to allow you to achieve the objective. Mm -hmm. if, you, if you run into a war zone and you just basically pick up a weapon and go fight the enemy, like your, your days are numbered. You're not yep. going to be there long. Right. If you know what you're doing, you have visibility, you plan, you strategize, you align, you empower all those things, you start to win. And it, the, the real issue that I think people are unaware of is, and I wrote this in the book, like if you look at the Iraq war, we, we approached it the same way we did World War II. We dominated the airspace. We had surveillance. We took over intelligence. Like, we landed. We said mission accomplished. Democracy was there. Rainbows and puppies would fall from the sky, and life was going to be great. In reality, the, the bad guy dissolved and went off into the, you know, the, the populace. Mm -hmm. And what did we do? We spent the last the next 10 years bringing them up out to fight them house to house, space to space. Right. That's what we're doing in cyberspace. They're already there. Mm -hmm. they're, they're everywhere. So we can't approach it with that grand thing of we've dominated them you know we own this space like no you don't when we yeah. have a user and the user goes home the, the they've eliminated your perimeter yep. so you have to focus on taking care of those things and it's and the strategy has to align to that reality mm -hmm. so from your analysis and from what you found what are some digestible uh pieces of information that one should keep in mind if they're trying to keep themselves secure um, yeah just in overall I think one of the things that shows up very often is that we're not using virtualization the most optimal way when we're talking about combat. Uh, virtualization, people think of the cloud, mm -hmm. which the cloud is great for speed and power and those type of things. But in reality, if you were to approach uh, plotting your strategy, you would build uh, replica infrastructure in a virtual space. You would test it. You would blow it up. You would do all those things you can do. And then you would map your future state to that improved virtual state. Mm -hmm. And most of the time now when you ask people about virtualizing, they're talking about apps and speed and dev and whatever. They're not talking about virtualizing infrastructure, testing it, beating it up, making sure they're right, and then moving into that. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's something that the industry needs to gravitate towards. That's what virtualization enables you to do. And if you're not doing that, the question should be why? Not can we? Mm -hmm. Yes, right. you can. Yep. Like you should. Mm -hmm. That's how you, you practice yeah. yeah. So when we talk to people about zero trust, two names come, to, come up. as John Kinderedge mm -hmm. and Dr. Chase Cunningham. <laughs> Tell us your, your sort of personal story with zero trust. Yeah, so John's a great guy. known him for a long time. And he was the, the, the guy that coined this particular term. He, the, the Jericho Forum was, was earlier than that, and they were talking about deprimitized security. And then John came along and he said, that's a great idea. It makes a lot of sense. I see the vision. I see that there is a reality to the space that's evolving in line with this. So let's call it something simple. Let's call it zero trust. Mm -hmm. And let's focus on eliminating trust relationships and networks. And if you look at exploitation, every time it's gone from one machine to a thousand machines, it's been trust relationships that yep, they exploited. Right. Mm -hmm. So it makes a heck of a lot of sense. My, my spot when I came into it was John was moving on and he had sort of left it in front of me. And I said, okay, well, let's figure out how we look at the industry and all the capabilities that they're offering and map that into how do we get to zero trust. Yeah. So I liken it to John, John being the, 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 the biblical leader, right? The, yeah. uh, the guy up on the hill saying, follow me and I will, I will make <laughs> things better. Yeah. And then I came along and I was just at the back of the, the thing, like kicking everybody in the ass, like, let's go follow that. <laughs> you know? So sometimes when, when you Google zero trust, though, you see like zero trust products. What yeah. is, what is your, your philosophy on that today? Is there such thing of a zero trust product? No, there's not. There's no zero trust technology. Right. There mm -hmm. are zero trust technologies right. that enable zero trust. Yep. 
And I, I spend a lot of time doing workshops with people reminding him, like, vendors are trying to sell you zero trust tech. Okay, fine. But you're supposed to be using technology to enable the strategy, not the other way around. Right. Uh, a really good friend of mine, Jeff Schilling, coined it as it's the Tiger Woods thing. Tiger Woods could play scratch golf with my clubs because he really is good at it. He knows how to work the course. Mm -hmm. You could give me Tiger's clubs blessed by the Pope. <laughs> and I wouldn't, I wouldn't play scratch golf. Uh -huh. It's not about the tools. It's about who's using it and how you apply it. Right. Yeah. You know. That's so important just because it's so easy to get caught up in what someone else is doing. Like, all right, well, they're using this kind of uh, mindset and methodology and a few products to accomplish this. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to buy those products and expect that now I've accomplished zero trust. Right. And it's, this is, uh, security is a herd mentality. We like to follow what everyone else is doing. So when something seems to get gravity, people gravitate to it, which is good. Yep. Uh, but I also tell people during workshops, like, think about zero trust as like your personal physical fitness. There are basic tenets of what you do to make you healthier, more physically fit. You exercise, you eat right, you know, those type of things. Like, those are, those are requirements, but how you do it for you might be different than me, but we can still, at the end of the day, be fitter. Right. You know, um, there are formulas for this, but it's going to be different for every individual organization, entity, which tools and technologies you use, you know, how that all plays together. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing I, I wanted to ask you is what do most people get wrong about Zero Trust? And obviously you're a great communicator. How do you communicate the true message to uh, a broader swath of people? Most of the time where they go wrong is they try and solve for everything too fast. They boil the ocean. You know, and I remind them, like, you need to boil a thimble. And yeah. boil it till the water is gone from that thimble, right. and then move on to another one. And mm -hmm. it, I mean, it kind of sucks, right? Because if you think about, well, I have this big initiative I have to fix, and this is going to take a long time. Correct, but you've also spent thirty years digging that hole. Yeah. So it's kind of dumb to think you're going to turn it on and be out of it tomorrow. Right. Uh, so there's an evolution. There's a process here. There's there's a methodology, and and the other thing that comes up very often too is that the they haven't got a leader that's actually saying this is what we're going to do. And this is why. And oh, by the way, the reason we do this is because it enables business, yes. not enables security. Right. If we do security right, business gets better and everybody makes more money mm -hmm. and life gets better and people are happier and security stops being the department of no and becomes the department of go. Yes. That's what we want. Yep. It's, 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 uh, that's a great mindset to have. And I think that we're, we're getting closer to that, especially with you leading the charge, standing in the back of the herd and kicking people <laughs> along. What are some of those like keystones that, or kind of pillars that, that help people? I think you said tenants. Mm -hmm. Where's, what, what is like one or two of them that help you to stay on track while kind of adopting this mindset? I think one of the, the simplest things that you can do right out, carte blanche, out of the, out of the box is if you don't have multi-factor authentication and, and able to cross the enterprise, mm -hmm. stop, I'll stop, go do it now. Yeah, because right. that is that's such a reduction in threat space. Oh, huge! I mean, you know, the moment you can do that, great. And 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 the other thing that I, I think people have, should focus on is realizing that what they think is a segment, as it stands currently, is not a segment. It's it's a lake, and that's way too big. Mm. You need the segment further down into the infrastructure, and technology has finally caught up to that. Mm -hmm. You know, back to to John's original impetus, the visionary side. What John put out there zero trust was so far ahead of the technology that it took seven eight years for it to catch up and finally get there right you know and, and when i look at zero trust i look at it as these are kind of fundamentals these are tenants that i can apply towards just my my own browsing kind of uh, experience like i should have 
multi-factor authentication turned on. I should have kind of these accesses to my files that are in the cloud restricted in such a way to where if someone were to get access to it, I can cut cut their access. I could yeah. kind of enable on demand rather than just be very permissive. It's a per like it, it is. You're right. It's it's like a personal thing that you can engage in. Like my ten year old daughter, her Fortnite, she set up MFA by herself. Nice. So <laughs> any enterprise go. that tells me they can't do it, I want to pull my hair out. Like, yeah. I'll send my ten year old and she'll do it for you. <laughs> you know? And then I'll send you the bill for it. You know, but yeah, when you saw that, did a tear like stream from? I was eye. very proud. <laughs> yeah. And the, the interesting thing too for her for when she did that was I asked her, I was like, well, I was like, why did you do that? And she said, well, I want to make sure nobody gets my V-Bucks. Yeah. And I was like, that's the value proposition we're looking for. That yeah. matters to her. That's her data. That's her currency. Yep. So she did something to make sure that no one could get those V-Bucks. Right. Future CISO right there. I mean, yeah. hey, maybe so. <laughs> maybe so. And it's a nice little early early warning. Like, if yeah. you get that text message, like, oh, got to change my password. Something went wrong. Yeah, and it's uh, it's that stuff's not hard. You know, it's I think we have a lot of people that spend time looking for the, the rocket science sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Really good security is is lightweight and it's contextual and it's yeah. blocking and tackling. Yeah, um, and you're never going to be bulletproof. You might be bullet resistant, right? Which is fine. Yeah. You know, it's if if it's uh, if my infrastructure is harder than yours and the bad guys go to you, if I'm out running the zombie horde and you trip, I'm not pulling you up. Like yeah. I, I win. You know, right. that's that's the kind of thing I think people have to remember is perfection is unachievable. But having good strategic controls in place and making it where you're the harder target, like that's a win. Absolutely. Yeah. Chase, thank you so much for being on the show. Where can people get your book? And what are some ways that people can stay in touch with you? Uh, I'm always on Twitter and LinkedIn. At C is my uh, Twitter handle. LinkedIn, I'm always on there. I'm glad to help out anybody I can. I do lots of like pro bono and free stuff too because I yeah. just think this community is great. The book's on Amazon, published by Packet Publishing. It's uh, Cyber Warfare, Truth, Tactics, and Strategies. Love it. Amazing. Fantastic. Thank you so much for being on the show again, and we'll see everyone next time. Hey, thanks for having me.